Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Last week, I kind of set the foundation of the notes that you have, so hopefully you got some notes tonight. Uh, if you do the PDF thing and the groups, um, it's the same one as we had last week because we didn't even get to any of the points if you were here. And so I just want to read the, the verse and kind of recap a little bit in case you weren't here. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 is what we looked at. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And so, again, we talked a lot about last week this matter of affection, uh, the matter of our love. And we, we described what this word love is here, and that is to have that preference over, to desire, to um, uh, again, to, 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 um, to love, the, the word was from the root word agape. And so, uh, on one side, you have someone who is born of God, forgiven of God, a child of God by faith, someone who has God's word in them, and someone who obeys God's word, someone who loves God, and again, seen through their obedience to, to God's word. But not just love God in, in, a, in a theoretical sense, because that's what a lot of people say, oh yeah, I love God. Uh, but to love God is to love everything about God, uh, to love his people, to love his, his work, to love uh, him. All those things come together uh, when we say that we love God. And then on the other hand, we, we have a group that says they love God. Again, they say it with their words, say it with their, their, their lips, but clearly there's an affection for the world and the things in the world in their life. So you look at their life, and again, they may say this with their mouth, but what they do, the things they live for, the things that they prefer, are the things of the world. Someone who is content with the world and the things of the world. Someone who can set all the things of God aside, except for the things that they say or profess, to embrace the world. That's the kind of the picture that we looked at. You have people who are sincerely, not, not perfect, but sincerely lovers of God, lovers of the things of God, obeying God, having His Word, going that route. And then you have people who say they, they do that but they live a completely different way. And again, we, we talk about those being on the op opposite end of the spectrum. And I also said this, that those two can't coexist. In other words, you either love God and you obey him, as we've already seen in 1 John, or you don't love God and you love the world and the things of the world. And that's, that's kind of the foundation that we set is there's, there's two sets of people that exist in the world, but they can't coexist. Um, I said this, if you can set the things of God aside to please worldly desires, John says, the love of the Father is not in you. And so again, it doesn't mean that we don't have those moments where we backslide. It doesn't mean that we don't have those moments where we, we trip and we fall into sin. It doesn't mean that we don't have those moments where we are uh, out of right fellowship with God and, and, and all those things. It, we have those moments, unfortunately, because we live in these fleshly bodies. And again, a lot of Paul's letters address the issue of, of battling in the flesh. And I mentioned Paul's letter to the Romans in Romans chapter 7 where he says there's moments that he even does things that he doesn't want to do and doesn't do things that he wants to do. And he, and he realized that there was a battle going on with his flesh and the spirit in his life. And his only hope at the end of chapter 7, he says, is I thank my God through my Lord Jesus Christ. 
He's the only one that can, can deliver. And so, again, it's not to say that there's not things in this world as well. Uh, we, we know there are uh, human relationships that are earthly relationships that God blesses us with. We know that there are foods that God blesses us with, that we enjoy. There are things in this world that we love and we enjoy and that are intended to be blessings to us to enjoy. Again, God made them for us to enjoy, just like a, a father, a good father does. Um, but again, Scripture tells us that God, uh, we're supposed to live within the right perspective of those blessings as well. I think there's a difference between someone who loves God truly and someone who loves the world. Uh, again, it's, it's very clearly seen in uh, what they do, how they live, how they talk. Again, it's very clear. John said what the telling point is for a Christian, and that's obedience to God's commands. So when someone says, I have a relationship with God, but they don't obey God's commands, he said they're a liar. That's, there's, there's no way to have that. We talked about having a want-to check last week. Uh, one, of the, one of the big factors, again, knowing that none of us are perfect, knowing that we all stumble and fall, knowing that we all have this battle in the flesh, a big thing that we talked about was having that want-to check. Whenever you get saved, your want-to changes. You have a desire for the things of God like you didn't have before. You have a conviction that comes in your heart because the Holy Spirit lives in your heart whenever you do the things that are contrary to God's will and the Word. And so again, there's a, there's a desire, there's a want to that changes when, when we do get saved. So it's a big warning sign when someone wants to or chooses something worldly over something biblical or spiritual or godly. And I would add, they can do those things without conviction. That's really, really, really cause for an evaluation. Uh, it's a sad thing that you see today so many people uh, who think that just going to church <clears throat> is all that's necessary. And then there's a flip side of that. There's some people that think that they are Christians and don't need to be at church. Again, there, there's so many uh, different factors out there. And again, if we can set the things of God aside without conviction and choose something worldly or fleshly, there's got to be a real check in our, in our life. And so when we look at this, I want us to remember that there's a competition going on. There's a competition between the evil one, Satan, God's enemy, and the kingdom of God, God himself. And the enemy is competing not only for the love of Christians, but he's competing for the souls of man. And he's willing to use anything and everything he can. And as I said last week, he'll, he'll, chip, he'll chip away bit by bit, person by person, family by family, church by church, city by city, because he is out to prove that the gates of hell will prevail. And so again, we have to remember, we are on one side or the other. This world system is contrary to God's system because it's under the operation of the evil one, the enemy of God. And so uh, in your notes, the very first thing that we, we have there and uh, we didn't get to last week was this, and then we'll pray and we'll look at uh, what the, the rest of this is, is this world system is based on goals and values that are contrary to God's. And so for us as Christians to feel uncomfortable in this world, the closer we get to God is, is a natural thing. Because this world is operating on a... I mean, again, look at the news. Look at po politics. Watch entertainment, how entertainment goes, right? I mean, I, I, I can't tell you, unless it's a, a Christian movie being released in the theaters 
or unless it's a, a Disney movie that, that is appropriately rated, which not rated by, I'm, when I say rating, I'm not talking about G or PG or PG-13. I'm talking about by groups like Focus on the Family, uh, Plugged In Online, uh, th those things like that. I, I can't tell you how many movies have passed through the theaters that are just box office, I mean, they're blockbusters, but they are filth. They, they take our Lord's name and drag it through the mud with a curse word plastered all next to it. And, and, and yet they are, those movie theaters are full and selling out over these number one because it's of a, and I'm not, I may make some of you mad tonight, but I don't know. <laughs> because they're a part of a certain line of movies or because they're uh, something that everybody's got to see or it's the, it's the greatest, most latest thing that they're releasing again. This world system is based on values and goals that are contrary to God. And so when, when, when this world is, is doing these things, we have, as Christians, say, is this what I'm a part of or am I a part of something else? Do I want to consent to, and I'm not just talking about movies, I'm just talking, again, you look at politics, you look at the news, you look at all these things, and I'm, and I'm telling you, it's a system that's contrary to the things of God. And so I, I, with that in mind, I want to pray. I want to look at these things, and, and hopefully they'll be a help to us tonight. Uh, maybe they'll convict you like they convict me. Uh, and if, if you're uh, not there, then uh, pray, pray, prayerfully it'll be an encouragement to you. So let's, let's pray and do that. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. Again, we we're so thankful for uh, the songs that we've been able to sing. Uh, Lord, the, to think about one day we will be out of this place. Uh, we will be freed from the burdens and the pains and the tears and the hurt and the scars and all the things that come along with uh, this broken, sinful, fallen world. And um, Lord, we realize that you've given us a job, you've given us a, a privilege to be a part of your mission until that day. Lord, to share the good news, the gospel, to share your grace, to share truth with those that are in darkness and those that need you. And again, I pray that we would see it just as that, a privilege, an honor uh, to serve you as, as your soldiers, as your children, to serve the King of Kings. Uh, we can't save anybody, but you've given us this great honor of sharing how people can be saved. And so, Lord, I pray that while we are here, that we wouldn't just only look for that day, but God, we would look for opportunities to be the light, to be salt, and to, um, to definitely uh, be different from this world system that's contrary to you. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd bless tonight. Help us to have ears to hear those who do. If there's somebody here tonight that's lost, they don't have a personal relationship with you, I pray they would understand uh, that you can't just say something or you can't pretend something. It's got to be a real life change. And it only happens by placing absolute faith, complete trust, complete surrender in Jesus Christ. And, uh, Lord, we just ask you to move tonight, and we'll praise you for it, Lord. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, when we think about this world system, love not the world, neither things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all those things, we see this system that is, is existing that we all are subject to at times, or, or at least influenced by at times. Um, we understand this, this system has been around for thousands of years. Uh, Satan himself, the enemy of God, started this system and he used it to prey on Adam, and specifically beginning with Eve uh, in, in the Garden of Eden, to accomplish his goal, his will, 
in this temporal world. It's been in place ever since then. So again, I've shared many times before, Satan is way better at what he does than we are at what we do. I mean, now there's a greater power in us than he that's in the world. I'm not talking about that power. I'm talking about, I've only been on this earth for 40 years. I've been a Christian for 30 of those 40 years. And so for 30 years, I've been trying to live for the Lord. There have been times that I've backslid. There's been times that I've not done that. There's been times that I have uh, placed things uh, above the Lord and, and been convicted and faced chastisement and, and faced consequences and all those things in this 30 years. And, and, and again, after 30 years, I know I haven't got it right. Far from getting it right, I believe. But the enemy of God has been doing this and using this system that he put in place for thousands and thousands of years. There's no hope that we have in and of ourselves. The only hope we have is to cling to the resources that God has given us in this world. And so again, when we, when we look at this system, love not the world or the things in, or neither the things in the world, it's so important for us to listen to that as Christians. So important for us to say there's no, air, there's room, there's no room for compromise in this because this is what Satan has used and this is what Satan will continue to use. Uh, as he prays on these things. And so these are the areas that we see in these scriptures that he prays on. Uh, the first area we see in scripture is the lust, of the, the lust of the flesh. Lust here simply means cravings or desires or a longing. Uh, you could use covetous. Uh, there's, there's a sinful coveting. There's a sinful desiring. Uh, there's a sinful longing. And there's also a righteous longing, a righteous uh, covet. There's a right, as far as the word covet. Again, you see the word covet in the Greek and it, and it has both a good and, in other words, you can say uh, de desire the good things. Long after the good things. Covet the good things. Um, and then there is a sinful way. And so this is the, the, the desire, the cravings, the longing, the covetousness of the flesh. And we know, again, when it's talking about this, it's talking about especially of the forbidden things. Right? There was one thing that Adam and Eve were told not to do. It was forbidden. This is interesting too, right? Some of you may have heard this before, but um, it was a tree that the fruit hung on that brought about death. And then it was a tree that our Savior hung on to bring about life. It's amazing God's redemption in the world. I just was going there and that thought came to my mind. But... Um, Lust, covetous, of, uh, desiring of what is forbidden. The flesh here, the lust of the flesh, is referring to not, not just our human bodies. We all have flesh. Um, and we all, our, 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 our flesh desires certain things, needs certain things, covets certain things. For instance, uh, I've been working on this table outside in the 90-something degree heat, and I've been sweating like a crazy man. I cannot drink enough water. <laughs> I mean, Rochelle brought me a bottle of water last night, and I was like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> like it just, it just, I could not get it enough. My flesh was desiring, it was craving the hydrogen. So again, it's not just talking about the, the human flesh, the, the, the organs and all that kind of stuff, not just that. Again, he's, he's referring to the fleshly nature of man. That's that sinful, carnal nature that's apart from the redemption that's found in God. And so again, when we see this, it's that hungering and that, that, that craving, that longing for what makes you feel good in that human nature, in that carnal nature. 
And especially when it's talking about something that's contrary to God or contrary to God's plan. And so again, the lust of the flesh. I want this. It could be money. It could be fame. It could be um, a, 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 a fleshly desire. Uh, it could be a physical uh, satisfaction or gratification. The lust of the eyes is the second thing. Same here, longing, coveting, coveting, craving with the eyes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and Ecclesiastes chapter 5, there's a reference to uh, neither is his eye satisfied with riches. In chapter 5, it talks about how those that have goods and they're increased, uh, what is it good? How does it benefit those who are already increased in goods and those who are eating of those goods, except being able to look that they have more? And again, that is the system of the world. The system of the world is to never be satisfied with what you have. The Apostle Paul wrote uh, and said to be content with thi what, what things you have. Again, he said that I learned to be content in whatsoever state I am. You know, I, I, I've learned to be abased. I've learned to abound. I've learned to be uh, poor. I've learned to be rich. I've learned to be hungry. I've learned to be full. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. But again, there is, there's this system of the world that it is never good enough. It's, not, it's never good enough. And so Satan knows this. And so that's why marketing is so good. I mean, not for, not for God or for Christians, why it's so uh, Im impactful, why it works, is because, man, our eyes can draw us away. Uh, we see something, and man, I got to have that. I want that. And again, it's, it's part of the fleshly nature we have. It's part of the way that we're wired, desiring with your eyes more than what you have and specifically what you don't have. And again, in what's accordance, in accordance with the world system. And the third thing is the pride of life. It's literally translated uh, the boasting or the pride in possessions, what you have uh, or what you do. Being puffed up with what you have, being puffed up with what you, who you are in any capacity. And again, just look at the world. The world system is based off of this carnal perspective along with the other two. Not only is it based off of them, it thrives off of them. That's how um, these, these companies that are so successful, that's how they do it. They play on these, if not all of these things, at least one of these things. And man, people flock to them. Think about, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but no, hopefully, you don't, hopefully you don't like Wendy's in here. But maybe you do. I'm not trying to criticize. I don't think I'm better than you. I don't think that you're a bad person because you eat at Wendy's. I just don't like Wendy's, okay? Um, we used to eat, eat Wendy's all the time. I mean, all the time. Uh, but we, we just stopped going, and primarily because of the conditions of the restaurants and stuff. And then the quality of the food seemed to be, not that it was like high quality to begin with, but the quality of the food was just, it just seemed like it went down. It was like, ah, oh, man, I just, it's just not good to go to Wendy's. So we haven't gone to Wendy's in a long time. <clears throat> but when you walk into Wendy's or you see a Wendy's commercial or you see the menu at Wendy's, what you see is different than what you get, right? But somehow 
you, you find yourself sometimes walking into those places and thinking, boy, that sure does look good. When you know in your mind it's not that good. It doesn't look that good when you get it, and it doesn't taste as good as it looks on that screen. And so, uh, again, they are, they are experts. They know what works. We are drawn in with our eyes. We are, we are drawn in with what our, our flesh desires. And again, we have this, this longing for what we don't have or what's not ours. And we look at Satan's temptation of Eve in the Garden of Eden. This is what we see. He had all of these lures in the water. Satan had all three of these lures in the water for Eve. He made the fruit that was very clearly said by God would bring forth death. death. He made it look good to her. Read, read, the, read the account. And she saw that it was good for food. Even though in, in the back of her mind she knew God said, in the day that you eat, you will surely die. That's deadly fruit. Somehow the enemy made deadly fruit look good to her. Think about that. Now, I don't, hopefully nobody's been affected that bad by Wendy's food. But I, I know that I've eaten Wendy's food before and been like, oh, like, and, and I don't, I don't want to eat it again, you know. But I will say this, in the history of my life, there have been times that I've gone back to places and ate after I've eaten something that made me feel yucky. Satan made something deadly look good to her. It's amazing. He made it look good. He made it sound good. He twisted and questioned God's word. He made it feel good to her. Again, think about this. Eve was so captivated by something she knew God said would bring forth death that she actually partook of it. Satan made it look good. He made it sound good. And she could, you know, that's what happens, right? Sometimes when you, when you, when you see something and it's so real looking, and, and you say to yourself, I can almost, what? I can almost taste it. I believe that's where Satan had brought Eve to. It looked good. It sounded good. And it tasted good. Like, I don't know. I've never had that before. I'm, I don't know what that fruit tastes like, but it, I can almost taste it. And of course, we know he downplayed the ramifications of disobeying God's clear word. And what he made what was very clear to her before he made maybe this it was not as important as the obvious benefits and the elements that she was missing in her life and that's what he played on that pride of life god knows in the day that you eat it that you'll be like him you're missing something you're you're missing out on something you don't have something that you could have so think about this think about struggles in your life think about Areas where you have, have, have been pulled away. Areas maybe you're struggling right now. Areas where you've fallen in, in, in your Christian life. And again, it can go back to that. Maybe it's not as vivid and clear like that. But you can typically trace it back to something like that. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. What you have, what you could have, what you don't have. What you desire. It can be in any area of our life, but... I think one of the questions we have to ask is how much of our lives are driven by those perspectives or those desires, right? How much of our lives are driven by those perspectives or desires? I want more. This is not enough. I want what they have. 
And it can be in anything, with possessions, relationship, whatever. I mean, it can be something that drives. How much of our lives are driven by those perspectives or desires? And I would further go to ask, can, can we set aside the things of God? Can we set aside the commands of God? Can we set aside his desires, his will, his kingdom, his people, his church? Can we set aside his gospel, his word? Can we set these things aside and then downplay the ramifications of that disregard because we too see something that we want that looks good to us, feels good to us, sounds good to us? You see what I'm saying? That's what happened with Eve. God was very clear. He had a desire. He had a will. He had his word. It was everything inside of God's will in obedience to God's word was perfect and right and good. God said, saw everything that he made and it was good. And now one thing that was outside that they could not do was bad. And yet the enemy somehow spun it that you need this. You're lacking without it. It is good. You, you, you want this. And, it, and again, that's what, that's what Satan did, and Eve, Eve bought into it. Yeah, maybe I won't actually die. God said, no, you will surely die. But even her mind thought, well, maybe not. Even her mind, in her mind thought, well, I need this in my life. God, why would God keep this from us? Why would I not be able to have this if God created it? Why couldn't I have it? We're, we're supposed to be over all of this. And so it became something that consumed her, and she was willing to set aside the things that God very clearly said to have this, what was wrong. And again, John set the perspective right. These perspectives, these things, these elements of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, are not of God. They're not of God. If you are of God, then you shouldn't want anything to do with these things. As I said last week, I don't keep God's commands all the time perfectly in my life. I miss the mark. But there's something inside of me that wants to. I, I want to obey God's word all the time. It's there. There are times that the flesh pulls against the spirit. And, 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 and it's, a, it's, it's a pull. there, a battle, as Paul said. But if you're a Christian tonight, that's in you. Because the Spirit of God is in you. And the Spirit of God is in perfect harmony, of course, with God because He is God. There's a desire there to do it. So if you are in God, if you are a Christian, if you are of God, then you shouldn't want anything to do with something that's going to pull you away from God. Not giving into the lust of the flesh, not giving into the, the lust of the eyes, not giving into the pride of life. And even beyond that, you shouldn't want to be controlled by them. I fear for so many people who say that they're Christians that their lives are dominated by these elements that are in the world. And they're deceived. Because he said, if, if this is you, then you're not of God. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so again, the world Everything in the world, we look at what we have, all the lusts, all the desires that often drive people to set aside the things of God, they're going away. That's what John said. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so we see a picture painted here, and this is what we have in your notes tonight. This picture painted is if you are in a relationship with God, there's some, here's the characteristics 
Again, so far what we've seen up from 1 John chapter 1, even up to chapter 2, verse 17, is this. If you are in a relationship with God, what we've seen is that you love him. You love God. So if you're here tonight and say, I am in a relationship with God, I know I'm a Christian, then one of the first attributes that we saw is that you love God. And then the evidence of that love or the, the, the manifestation or whatever you want to call it of that love is the second part of the picture, is you obey him. Again, you can't say that you love God and not obey his commands. That's First John. So again, when, when somebody says, yes, I am a Christian, yes, I am in a relationship with God, yes, I am going to heaven when I die, then number one, they love God, and that love is evidenced by their obedience to God. That should be what's in our life. Again, we can't, we can't just flippantly dismiss the church. We can't just flippantly dismiss the mission of the church. We can't just flippantly dismiss uh, loving others. We can't just flippantly dismiss anything of God. If we say we love him, then we love him and we obey him. The next piece of the picture is that, again, as I said just then, is you love others. Again, this is what we see in God's word. This picture painted, if you're in a relationship with God, you love him, you obey him, and you love others. Very clearly, all of this wraps into that fourth one as you live for God's kingdom. Again, it doesn't mean that there are moments that we, we fail in these areas or we fall short in these areas or we struggle with some of these areas because, again, we live in this world and sometimes we struggle to just live in this world and not live of this world. And so uh, it, it can be that pull, that struggle. Every one of us, well, not every one of us, a lot of us get up and go to work. And we spend most of our day working. And, and, and that is so easy, to, it's so easy for that to become our identity. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is the focus of my life. This is, this is what I spend so many hours of day concentrated on, doing all of my efforts, all of my energy. So it's so easy for that to become who we are. But we as Christians have to constantly remind ourselves that's not us. That's the job we have in this temporal world. Who we are is kingdom kids. We are, the, we are the children of the living king. And we are to be living for his kingdom. And so the last thing is, if we're in a relationship with God, it should be seen that our priorities start with God first. That, that should just be seen. Again, if we are the children of God, what makes us different from the world if that's not the case, right? If the things of God aren't priority in our life, then what, what makes, what, what's any difference from our neighbor who lives next to us is a good person who doesn't have a relationship with God, but they say that they're a Christian, and us. If, if the priorities don't start with God for us, what's the difference? Well, I go to church. So? Going to church is important. That's a part of the puzzle. But the priorities start with God. And so on the flip side, that next section, if you aren't in a relationship with God, Here's some of those, the picture that's painted. We, again, we see in Scripture, you say that you love Him. You say that you love There's a lot of people say that they love God. A lot of people say that they're in a relationship with the Lord. But the second part of that puzzle is you don't obey Him. Again, to love God means that you obey Him. If you obey Him, it demonstrates your love for Him. The third thing is you say that you love others. I think that if you went to most Bible churches, even just in this area, 
that we could probably go around the rooms and take a survey and ask the people in the room. We could do it in our church. Do you love God? Each person, do you love God? And I think the majority in this, in this room would say, yes, I love God. We go around the room and ask the next question, do you love other people? I think the majority of people in this room and all Bible preaching churches in this area, and I think the majority of people in there, if not everybody in there, would say, yeah, I love others. But when those two elements are put to the test, what would be, what would be the, the outcome? Do you have anything? Are you holding anything? Are you, any, any unforgiveness? Any bitterness? Any resentment? Anything going on in that, that you, you, then I think that you might start seeing people drop off. You say you love others. And so I don't know that if I just don't, you saying that, that I don't love others if, if I haven't forgiven somebody or if, if, I, if somebody did something to me and um, I, I still haven't gotten over it. <clears throat> I would just say, first of all, go, go read the Gospels. But second of all, I would say go read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And in there it says that love keeps no records of wrongs. And so to say, I love you, means that you may have offended me, you may have hurt me, we have done those things, but if I have forgiven you, which I'm supposed to do, because that's what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says to forgive as you've been forgiven then I can't hold anything against you the next element is you live for your kingdom or the world's kingdom so again these are, these are parts of the, the, the painting or the picture that we see in scripture that if you're not in a relationship with God then you live for your kingdom or the world's a lot of people build their own kingdom and say they're part of God's kingdom and that's, that's dangerous ground. Because the kingdom of man can, can look similar to the kingdom of God because there can be attributes apart, uh, you know, that, that, are, that are connected, but they aren't all about God's kingdom. And then the last one, your priorities start with you or the world. Again, this is the picture that God paints for us through John here in 1 John so far. And so the question that I would ask you that... I feel like God challenged me with is where does your life fit in what picture in a relationship with God or not a relationship with God I, I know I'm saved but when we look at scripture and and these are the things that we see are supposed to be evidences of people who are the children of God I never want to get to a place where I feel like oh yeah I got it all together I you know again if the apostle Paul would say something like I have not Attained. I've not apprehended that which I've been apprehended of Christ, then there's no way that I could say, yeah, I, I feel like I'm hitting on all cylinders. I'm not saying that we can't get to a place where we uh, are thriving in our relationship with God or that we're in a healthy place in our relationship with God where we're growing and we're getting stronger and there's, there's, there's a healthy, good, again, uh, thriving relationship. I'm not saying that that's not possible. It's absolutely possible. But there will still always be limited by our flesh. Always be limited in these uh, earthly tabernacles, as Paul said. So where does your life fit in the picture? Which, which one would best describe you sincerely? As I've said before, 
One of the biggest telling points for the believer is your want to. Right? You remember when you first got saved? Like there was a bunch of desires that changed. Man, you wanted to, to tell other people. You wanted to go to church. You wanted to read your Bible and know more. And I mean, there were so, there were so many desires that you had that came alive and, and, and that were born in you. And, and, and it, was, it was fresh. It was new. It was exciting. Again, all these desires were there. Your want to were changed. And along the way, sometimes that gets pulled, tries, tries to get pulled back to the world. Satan used those things. And I, like I said, I referenced Paul last week and I referenced him tonight, but I, I want to look at it. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. This is a different translation. It says, For we know that the law is scriptural, no, I'm sorry, spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Paul was trying to explain the law's place uh, because so many people were abusing and misusing uh, the law. And so he was, he was trying to explain what the law's purpose was. And so he says, the law is spiritual. I'm a flesh sold under sin. And so he said, but, but I don't understand my own actions. I do not what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, then I agree with the law that it's good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin that dwells in me, this fleshly body. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have, I, I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Again, he's talking about in his own flesh. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Again, Paul's painting this picture for the Romans of what the law's purpose was and how he, even as a Pharisee before, fit into uh, this relationship with Jesus Christ and how the law factors into this as well. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. And listen to what he says. Because I delight in the law of God in my inner being. This new man that's been created in Christ Jesus, this born-again vessel, I want to do what God has commanded me to do. But I see in my members another law. It is waging war against the law of my mind, against my inner being, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So this fleshly body is subject to the law of sin. It knows what sin is. It knows the pleasures of sin, even though they're for a season. This fleshly body is what battles against it, even though inside I desire to do God's will. I delight in obeying God's law. And so I see this war. The members of my fleshly body waging against the war inside. And so he cries out, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? This, this earthly tabernacle, this, this body that is so subject with its eyes, with its ears, with its, with its, its touch uh, sensations, all the things that we, we, we can deal with in this fleshly body. He says, who's going to deliver me from this, this body of death? And here he is, my only hope, my only help, my, um, the only way that I'm going to get out of this situation victoriously is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ the Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God, my soul, my person, my renewed, my, 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 my born again being. My, I serve 
the law of God with my mind, but my flesh still wants to serve the law of sin. It still goes after that. It's a reality. That's why Paul even says that we're supposed to, uh, to the, uh, the, um, the Thessalonians, I think maybe, to mortify your members. Kill them every day. Your, your flesh is going to want to do what is accordance to the law of sin. Your flesh is going to go and, and it's going to thrive. Your flesh is going to want to thrive off the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But every day, put it to death. Every day, mortify the members in your body so that the members that want to follow after sin can't. But you follow after the law of God. Again, we, we will all battle the flesh. Every single one of us will battle the flesh. We have a battle not only with the flesh, but we have a battle with the world. Again, we have a battle with the evil one, the enemy of God, who uses both of those to try to defeat us. And as long as we're on this earth in these fleshly bodies, that's going to be the case. But with faith in Christ, the Word of God, the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us, we can live victorious, overcoming lives. But that's the only way. That's the only way. It, it's not, you can't go off of how long you've been a Christian, how long you've, you've been in church, uh, all the knowledge you may have. It's a day by day relying on the Spirit of God, a day by day obe uh, submitting to and obeying the Word of God every single day. Because when we let our guard down, that's when the enemy says, aha, there, there we go. They're not clinging to the Lord. They're not, and, and they are weak in their flesh. And so he pounces. And so tonight I just wanted to charge and encourage and, and challenge. Let's make sure that we aren't loving the world and the things that are in the world. Let's make sure that our lives clearly proclaim that we love God. And that's the part that I really want to challenge you with because that's the part that really challenged, challenged me. Let's make sure that our lives very clearly proclaim that we love God. How? By our obedience to his word, by our love for others. Again, let that be your desire tonight. Let that be your prayer. God, I want my life to very clearly proclaim that I love you. I think we can ask ourselves that question and then go from there. Ask yourself that question. Does my life clearly proclaim that I love God? Everybody I run into, everywhere I go, all the time, does my life clearly proclaim that I love God? Or is there, are there moments at my job, are there moments with my friends, are there moments with my family, are there moments uh, in, the, in the store, are there moments behind the wheel that it, it's, it may be hard for others to tell that I love the Lord? Again, it should be our desire. I want my life to clearly proclaim that I love the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this challenge to me. Thank you for this challenge to our church. Lord, I pray that we would take it seriously, Lord, that we would evaluate our lives. Lord, you tell us in your word that the world will be able to tell that we're your followers by the love that we have one for one, one another. Our love is, is, is supposed to be what defines us. Our love for you, our love for others. God, we again have seen in your word what love for you looks like. It looks like obeying your commands. We've already seen that your commands are not grievous, they're not burdensome, they're not hard. Again, we have your spirit in us and, 
and we long to do those things. But do, we do ask for help tonight, Lord. And again, if there's somebody here tonight that when we looked at these pictures, their life looked more like someone who doesn't have a relationship with you. And I pray before they leave tonight that they'll get that straight. That they'll talk to someone, they'll grab someone and say, hey, I, I don't think I have a relationship with God and I want that. I pray they wouldn't leave this place without making sure that they have an intimate relationship with you through faith in Christ. Or that they would realize that you came and you died and for their sins in their place. You rose again, again, that you are the only way to heaven. Lord, just move tonight as we respond to your word, and we'll praise you for it. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name.